This time on No, Not the Mind Probe, we start No, Not the Mind Probe, the podcast. The theme is beginnings. John, the ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. The entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me, clinging to the skin of this tiny little world. And if we let go, that's who I am, John. Now forget me, John Grant. Go home. We'll actually stay because we need to do the podcast. Oh, I was going to say good podcast. All right. Well, that's good. It's 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 brief, but it's riveting. powerful. Mm-hmm. Welcome to No, Not the Mind Probe, a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for over 35 years. My name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for over 25 years. And finally, I said yes. Each episode of No, Not the Mind Probe, we'll look at two stories. We're going through the new series in order. And then John, our Doctor Who curator, will find a, a pairing with a classic story. John, what do we what do we have this week on the first episode? Very exciting. Oh, I racked my brains for a theme, and then I thought, what would if, we, if it's the well, first episode of the podcast? Which episodes would we pick? Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time reading philosophy and really thinking through it, and I came up with beginnings. Uh, mm. So I think I think we start with we'll compare the beginnings of the the original series, the first 1963 episode uh, entitled. Well, we'll get to that. It's very actually hard to say what exactly it's titled. Uh, An unearthly child is the very first episode, uh, and then the very first episode of the 2005 revival of the series, Rose. Let's recap these episodes. Mm. First, we have Rose, Season 1, Episode 1 of the new series, aired 17th of March, 2006. Happened to be St. Patrick's Day. Here's what went down. A girl wakes up. She's British. She's young. She works in retail. It's Rose. Suddenly, her boyfriend Mickey eats a sandwich in a funny way. It's time to head home after a long day. But first, Rose has to get locked in a creepy basement. There's scary mannequins all around. They don't scare her. And then they do. A mysterious man helps her escape. He's the doctor. He says her coworker is dead. The mannequins are living plastic and tells her to beat it. The building explodes, and suddenly it's the next morning. The doctor's at her house, but he seems confused as to why. Suddenly, the mannequin hand reanimates and strangles him, then her. He uses a doohickey thing to stop the mannequin. Rose wants answers. The doctor is enigmatic. He says there's a war, and the mannequins are controlled by thought, and someone wants to overthrow the humans, and he's like a space detective is what I feel like. She's intrigued. She uses the very popular search-wise.net to research the doctor, which we all use. She meets up with a nerd who's been tracking the doctor throughout history. And he, like he killed JFK or and he was or he was there. Suddenly a trash can eats Mickey and spits him out as a mannequin. The doctor pulls Mickey's head off. They go into the magical phone booth. It's big. It looks like an octopus. It's the TARDIS, which he says is time and relative dimension in space, which is an interesting acronym. The doctor is very pissy and annoyed at humans all the time, which was funny to me. The aliens are using Lon- the London Eye, uh, the 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 big wheelie, the the Ferris wheel, as a transmitter. The consciousness uh, that is controlling the plastic things are all there, and then suddenly the doctor negotiates. It's very exciting negotiation, and then uh, he has like PS- PTSD from a past war. The city and the world are going to blow up. Rose's mom is shopping. Conspiracy nerd is killed. The world is ending. 
And then suddenly Rose is like John McClane. She she explodes the bad guy and the mannequins dance and then they drop and the doctor invites Rose to join him on future adventures. And she's all, no way. And then he's like, what about time travel? And she's like, hell yeah. See you, Mickey. And then we end. John, uh, what did I miss? Okay, well, some interesting priorities there. Let's begin with the fact that it was actually first broadcast uh, on in 2005. Uh, <laughs> start with there, March so 26, 2005. So your googling skills. We're gonna we're My gonna check. Yeah, we'll confirm things. Um, I'm not sure where you're getting 2006 from. Um, as it's 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 just I'm completely incorrect. I, in, I, in, I may have incorrectly typed a word. Hmm. So let's move on. You you move okay. on. I will look. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get past that. Um, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um no, you did fairly well. Um, some interesting uh, some interesting characterization of the Doctor. I think you've got the the plot generally correct. Uh, what what we familiar to most Doctor Who fans, people who are familiar with the series, would be that these are actually returning monsters. Uh, so then oh. uh, this is a, a from a very famous episode. And and generally, when I use the word famous, I'm referring famous in Doctor Who terms. But actually, uh, this would be a fairly f- well-remembered episode by most British people, which is in the 1970, maybe it was 70, actually, uh, they, they were the, these monsters did basically do the same invasion. They, they were the nestines and they... Uh, inhabited plastic and there were shop window the dummies nestines. yes the nesting that's the, the the thing in the pit um okay. which has looked different and sort of it was kind of an unconvincing octopus in another episode anyway um can i break uh, they, in here with an update i'm gonna break do. in a breaking yes. news yeah. mm-hmm. uh imdb has incorrect information that's the breaking mm. news on that one mm. uh and wikipedia has correct yeah. the uh, uh 2005 yeah, so. yeah, I'm pretty sure this. Yeah, the 2005 revival of this series. It would be odd if they referred to it as that, and it went out in 2006. Is it possible that it premiered in America in 2006? No, that might be possible. No, it's not. No, um, none of it's possible. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's definitely not. That's fine. Um, it could be. Oh, anyway, um, let's just, we accept it as a 2005. We accept series. that. Let's yes. move on. Yeah. Uh, um. So yes, the Nestines uh, and they famously inhabited the shop window dummies, and there's famous scenes uh, of of them breaking out of the windows and shooting people in the streets, much like in the episode of Rose. So, so this was definitely a reference to an older episode. Uh, but with no acknowledgement of that episode in the plot. Um, yes, there the you, the, 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 yes, the nestines. Uh, the PTSD is actually a good catch because that is a significant plot line through the story. Uh, it felt the, very well, it felt kind of out of place, to be honest. And that's why it jumped out where he was like, I was in a war. And like he 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 was suddenly going through it in that moment. Yes, and all of that is new, right? So, so there was, you know, the, the series went off the air in '89 with the seventh Doctor. Uh, there was a brief attempt to revive it with the eighth Doctor, uh, which failed miserably. And we'll talk about that at some point uh, in later episodes. But um, uh, and then the ninth Doctor comes, and it was actually interesting that there was we didn't know fans did not know when this first came off the air uh, or came on the air whether um, it was a continuation of the original series or not. It was not quite. If I recall correctly, it wasn't really confirmed. It was like, oh, this is sort of like Doctor Who, and it's based on Doctor Who, but right. we may not actually connect it back to the old. And eventually they did, but there was sort of that question of, well, is this, is this a continuation? Are you saying even a, a after remake? the episode? Yeah. You're saying even after the episode came out, it wasn't clear 
If I or... remember correctly, and it was many years ago, and I, I was drinking a lot then. Um, but um, <laughs> yes. it was, it was, yes, it was. I, if I recall correctly, it was sort of a question of: Are they going to carry on from the beginning? from 1963 or is this going to be sort of a reset and there had been many attempts through the years to sort of bring doctor who back and it was a question of whether you know yes it would carry on from where it was or not um, and uh, yeah. we're going to talk more about the doctor um later so we can talk more about this particular doctor and the the other one that we meet later um but just to talk briefly about uh rose who we will talk even more about in future episodes, but uh, obviously this is the introduction of her and she, this is also the, the first um, companion in however many years uh, as well. Um, is this how companions are normally introduced? Is this anything stand out or anything about the Rose in particular or this actress that like kind of broke any mold or is this sort of how, how it goes? Yeah. I mean, so, well, I'll ask you, what did you, so Billy Piper as the actress, what did you yeah. think of her performance? Um, it was fine. Uh, <laughs> I thought she was, I mean, like, I mentioned like talking to Roger Ebert. It's really <laughs> <laughs> now in the, in the opening, I mentioned she had this little line of, uh, um, uh, about her a levels and, and, and things like that. And, um, there was some comedy to it. Um, I, I will say to, you know, we'll get into comparing the two episodes, but, I enjoyed the people more in this, in the, in the more modern episode. Like, I, I guess I, the reason I hesitate on how good of an actress she was is I don't know. I found her compelling to watch. I don't know how well she was acting, but I thought like both uh, the doctor and her in this one, I was more compelled to be like, Oh, I, I'm interested to hear more stories with these actors and characters. Whereas in the older episode, um, even though the plot is honestly much simpler, I was more interested in the plot. I was fast. Like the plot was very interesting to me. Um, so yeah, it's a long way of saying like, I thought she was fine. I think she was like amazing, but I was more compelled by her than I was by some of the people in the older, um, uh, the older one we watched. Well, so the interesting thing, if I understand correctly and it's possible, I don't, uh, but if I do, um, casting her was she was sort of known as like a bubblegum pop singer and she was famous oh, for marrying really? a DJ so if I, I think roughly in 2005 casting her was like if they brought back I don't know MacGyver and announced that Britney Spears was going to be the star <laughs> like, so, like she was fairly popular yeah well she was she was popular but in a sort of oh she's just a ditzy singer she's not an actress um and oh you know, i didn't and i didn't feel yeah. that i didn't feel she was out of her depth in turn like anything and she's like been that. a very good actress she's actually done a bunch of acting gigs since then and, and actually been quite good but yes i think at the time it was and it was seen by doctor who fans of which i am obviously a distinguished one uh it was seen as oh shit the series is not going to be series like they, this is like almost like, it was like a lowest common denominator yeah it was going to be like here's the lowest common denominator and you know will smith is going to come in in another episode and, and rap and and they're going to you know it's just going to be it's just going to be crafty well, can we have generally spoiler free but does that happen no, does will it, smith it, it does not okay um, there is an episode in the old series where the butler from fresh prince of bel-air appears but uh, we'll yeah. come to that at some point well that that is interesting because um yeah, I thought she was I thought she was pretty good and what would be interesting to me about that is maybe Doctor Who fans but also particularly um just the wider British public watching this would she have been distracting to see of like you know how sometimes you see like you said a singer like if Britney Spears was in that it's not so much 
I would probably doubt her as an actress, but more importantly, it would just be distracting. You'd be, you'd be hard to buy her as someone other than who she is, which is a celebrity. Is that, that I don't know. You know I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I mean, the interesting it is there is an interesting thing right about British actors um, in that you know Judy Dench will pretty much appear in anything. <laughs> I mean, she was in the Chronicles of Riddick, and nobody's ever like, oh, oh, well, that's weird. Like, I mean, I, I feel like there may be the public may just accept British actors will appear in anything, and you just don't know who it's going to be. I, I could be wrong. I could be maligning the entire British. Uh, population um i could uh, please do yeah yeah i, I do I, yeah. I, I i want to offend some people this i want to be edgy are we being edgy is this edgy, <laughs> we're, pretty edgy. <laughs> we're reviewing a show from 1963 i feel pretty edgy <laughs> um well anything else we miss i'm gonna i'm gonna recap the other episode and get into some of the other things uh, no i mean i think i think you you hit most of it um uh pretty well the, the one thing that i will did you catch um did you what did you make of the scene of him looking in the mirror and talking about his ears and things like that did that oh yes yes um i didn't yeah that didn't that was on the cutting room floor didn't make it into the recap <laughs> you know we have a team over here that does the recaps um yes i did note that he said um well two things in that same moment is that he was walking around the room kind of like it, it felt like the implication was he was weirdly speed reading books mm-hmm. yeah, and you know just picking up something and absorbing all the knowledge of it and then yes he mentioned that he was like oh interesting face so it implied to me that he'd never seen his body before so yeah. um you know that yeah kind so of- obviously we know that that this is not the same actor who started playing him as an old man in 1963 <laughs> right so, yeah. i you guess that was one of my guesses yeah so i'm yeah. glad i i'm i'm He's one for one on that yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah so, so the implication is that he has changed just recently uh, and so it's fairly new. They, they kind of move away from that. Um, but yeah, so the, the implication is that he was he's new in this particular uh, body. Um, the other thing I, I will highlight is he, he mentions the war. Uh, yeah, and right. That is the PTSD part. You copy. that is that is a reference to something that um, none of us were aware of. So this that is entirely new oh. information for Doctor Who fans. So oh wow, learn that as felt, we go. Yeah, that felt like a. Uh, that, that's funny because that felt like some sort of callback or connection to me. Let me ask you this um, before we move on to Unearth- Unearthly Child um, is so this did came out and we can confirm 2005. Uh, what what was going on with you when this came back? You were obviously must have been super excited. Like you, I know you know knowing you, like you had already been as we say 35 years had been had been watching this so. What was the buildup? Were you, you know, how did you like it? Like, you know. So, well, it's interesting. Actually, it only just occurs to me now. I have not rehearsed this at all. But um, so, yes, so it was coming back and you knew it was coming back because um, uh, at the time there was a, a device known as the Internet, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. allowed you to glean information about the rest of the world. Um, so it was coming back and um, uh, a couple of things. And um, I had seen um, the, uh, the opening credits, the, the, the tunnel and the music had been released at one point oh, okay. and that was very exciting because it was like oh it's gonna sound like the real opening credits and that was cool um and then uh, f- uh the first episode leaked online like a, a, oh, a, a like copy. BitTorrent or something. yeah and without um it was missing a few like it was missing some of the effects and some it was not finished yet but it was pretty close uh and so i agonized because i was of course very excited over this as doctor who and i was very excited to see it come back and i basically had lived from 89 to 2005 
just sitting quietly in an empty room waiting. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I was agonized over and, and they sort of asked, I was like, please don't watch, you know, wait until it's done. We want you to see the really best thing. Please don't watch the leak thing. And I, I, was, I was somewhat torn by it. And I, I think I may have allowed myself to watch the first 15 minutes, which I downloaded onto a federal government computer. So sorry. Uh, sorry, government. <clears throat> um, um, but then amusingly, so I lived in an apartment in Washington, D.C. And I, of course, had all the classic Doctor Who's on VHS tape, which for the kids will understand is a, is a thing where you, you ride a little bicycle and spin it around and then eventually mm -hmm. the pictures come on the screen. Uh, and I was watching it apparently too loudly in my apartment. And I was watching an old episode, like, a, like one of the black and white ones. And the theme music is on. And suddenly there's a knock at my door and I pause it. I go to the door, I open the door and there's this man standing there. And he goes, excuse me, are you watching Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why, yes, I am. And then I handed him some Grey Poupon. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so he apparently uh, um, uh, was a, a fan of Doctor Who. He lived upstairs and he invited me into uh, to watch the new, I think he had downloaded the new episodes once they came out because they weren't broadcast on BBC America. So he had downloaded a couple and we watched them together in his apartment. And then I can't remember the rest, but the therapist he murdered really you yeah i think i yeah. think there was a lot of terrible things around but so yeah so that was it was but it was a it was a huge moment right so so um uh, <laughs> amongst doctor who fandom there's the classic series from 6389 and then there's the wilderness years <laughs> where it is from <laughs> 89 to 2005 and we had the tv movie in 96 uh which we'll get to again and there were some novel there were books right they, they sort of had comic books and then the original and then they wrote sort of fiction books and we all just sort of thought that it was the right i mean who Doctor Who wasn't going to come back. It was absurd. The idea was ridiculous. Um, and so, yes, when 2005 came around, it was surprising. It was like, oh, oh, it's it's back. And and well, then, of course, then the thing that you grew up with and you're, you're completely invested in and you think is incredibly important and it comes back for the whole world to see it's 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 like you just you're worried it's going to be embarrassing yeah where it's like are people going to like this and i had so many friends people i knew who never watched the original one who then came up to me and said oh i watched that doctor who because the only and the only reason is because i knew you used to watch it so i started watching it and it's great and i was like oh thank goodness and then then i was like i hope the bbc appreciates how many people i really turned on <laughs> this <over the> years. <laughs> well, well let's definitely talk more about that in a future episode in terms of just like yeah your friends um it becoming more of actual popular culture rather than for you at least it felt like this niche thing um but i'm more interested just before we move on of when you just watch that first episode because the only thing i can compare it to is not that i'm the hugest uh, like Star Wars fan, but I was a Star Wars fan. I remember like waiting for the Phantom Menace to come out, and then more recently when the Force Awakens came out. And then you know there have been, been similar like a lot by Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> no, well, actually, I loved the Force Awakens, but I was disappointed by the Phantom Menace. And it, but there was a similar period of time where that was like I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, so I just wonder, like, was just your immediate reaction? For example, my reaction to the Phantom Menace was coming out of it being like okay okay maybe i don't know like maybe that's okay like and feeling like i needed to watch it again now the other and then the other one with the force awakens and i know a lot of people are disappointed by that too i actually loved all the new ones so whatever i i don't really want to talk about that with anyone but i love them <laughs> i came out of that movie thinking like kind of the opposite of like i don't care what anybody thinks about this i really loved that i just really enjoyed it um, but yeah, what was your before kind of hearing other feedback? What was you, was your reaction of like, 
yeah, I think this is good or, or you know, what? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I am probably not a totally typical fan in that I, I love Doctor Who in all its forms. I did the, I think the, and it's, it's like, um, they're like wine varietals. Some days okay. you want a Pinot Noir. Some days you want a Chardonnay. And some days you want a 65 Hartnell. Some days you want a 75 Baker. Um, and I, I, it really is it really is that way. And again, we'll get into sort of the eras of it as time goes on. Uh, so I like it in all its forms because I just, I think it's an incredibly, it's an incredibly versatile format. Um, and so, yeah, watching the first one, I think I was just... Premier, I, a so the big thing was I think for the BBC and others was they were like can we do a science fiction show and can it have special effects because Doctor Who was sort of known for having sort of dodgy special effects so mm-hmm. can we do a show and have good special effects and an interesting story and then I think the other thing people were looking for is like alright you know is this going to be are they going to screw the character up right I mean the Doctor is a very distinctive character and especially growing up I he was very different from Captain Kirk and which was, you know, so the other great, you know, Han Solo, which is the great sort of sci-fi characters. You know, he's an engineer and he didn't, he didn't try to sleep with ladies, which was important for me. Uh, and um, so, um, uh, because I hate ladies. No, uh, I'm a misogynist, obviously. Um, but no, um, uh, it was very, it's a, could you, could you maintain that, right? Were you going to have a show where he came on and he was trying to romance the blonde and he was trying, he was shooting right. aliens with a gun and all these things. And, and when they didn't, when they kept with the sort of the general mise-en-scene of the, uh, of the show, um, I thought, okay, let's let's see where this goes. Um, but I like was the I basics was were like, there. Yeah, the basics were there, and then I, that's Absolutely. really interesting to hear what you say, which is basically like they got a couple basic things right. So now you're like, well, now you can do whatever, and if, even if it's a new varietal, like you said, then it's right. like, well, that's fine. That'll be a new varietal, but as long as you did these couple of key things exactly and i mean the the davies um uh, russell t davies is the is the showrunner for, for the new series the 20, 2005 anyway beginning of it and um it's very distinctive and you'll kind of see as we go um and he did a very good job but it's very different from what doctor who had ever been before and that, that, that's the interesting thing right is it was if they had gone back and been like right let's pick up exactly where we left off in 1989 it would have bombed <laughs> in seconds right. right but they were like let's make a tv show that it starts with this very it's actually a very simple premise and we'll talk about this in a minute i think with the new one but or the uh, the old one the original one but um it's a very simple premise and they're like all you gotta do is start with that and it's doctor who and then the rest is just you can do kind of whatever you want which is what's amazing about it and so yeah as long as you get that sort of spirit and, and the other thing i think is, is a key is um it's not a serious show. It, it, yeah. There are dramatic. It's, it's considered a drama. It, it is part of the drama department of the BBC and blah blah. But it's also got this chung in cheek quality to it. And I think that was important, right? That the fact that it was, it was funny but also serious at the same time was critical. Right. It wasn't uh, a, the gritty reboot, you know. Right. So let's let's go uh, let's go back in time back in time. Boop, Wait, boop, is this a back to the future year. podcast now? Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> back in time. Uh, so uh, the the old 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 original series uh, that we watched, uh, you very interestingly picked uh, the first story uh, of that. Am I correct in that first? Actually, I should say. Yes. Yes. I mean, I zigged when most people would have expected you to zig. So, yes. So, (laughs) you can talk more about this, the the naming. We also are going to specifically talk more about the the story story episode format um, 
uh, in, in more detail even after this. But um, yeah, let's call it an unearthly child. You know, as it is, I watch it on uh, <laughs> this isn't an advertisement. I watched it on BritBox. And the way they group them is is that they, they put unearthly child as the name of the story. So that feels at least the BBC officially saying this is what this collection is called. Totally um, incorrect. But yes, go on. <laughs> season one serial one as they referred to it and uh, you told me this repeatedly but it's worth mentioning here that yes it aired uh the first one aired it's four episodes and the first one aired november 23rd 1963 which is the day after uh, jfk was killed now this is in the uk so Probably the news didn't get there for weeks and months, yeah, I'm sure. No, I think it was like but, a, one very tired pigeon showed up at the, yeah. <laughs> the I mean, BBC. Also, remember, you know, the Lusitania sank and so like a lot yeah, of that there, stuff. There was so. a lot going on. It was a busy time. The, the okay, so here's what I got that went, that went down in this uh, uh, four-episode yes. yes. uh, whirlwind. Uh, two teachers are worried about an unusual student, Susan, who's very smart but very odd and she's disruptive. It's uh, suddenly they decide to follow her home, which I found very strange. It's an abandoned building. There's a phone booth. No one is there. They meet an old man and he argues with them. Susan is inside the phone booth. It's a TARDIS. Again, time and relative dimension in space, which again, that acronym, we will talk more about the TARDIS. Please. I love that acronym, but it's it's never challenged. In, and it's, it's, it's taken in as like, oh, of course, that. Um, anyway, they are shocked uh, by the TARDIS, but also somehow in disbelief at the same time. Uh, they try to leave, or the TARDIS is broken. I was actually unclear on this point, uh, so maybe you can clarify that. And uh, they end up, uh, the TARDIS moves to, it seems like a random place in time, kind of like Quantum Leap. So this is what I actually got to the end of this feeling like, oh, Doctor Who is like Quantum Leap, which may be far off. Let's talk about that. Um, they meet a, Ted, but okay. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. They meet a tribe of primitive uh, British people who worship Orb, who I like to think of as just the sun god, right? Um, and whose leader is chosen based on the cavemen, whose leader is chosen based on who can make fire, which is at the moment no one. There's a power tr- struggle between Za, uh, who's the current leader, and Cal, and the doctor, Susan, and the teachers are captured. Then an old woman sets them free. Suddenly, Zar goes to catch them, but he's hurt. They help him. They argue about stretchers. Uh, the doctor <laughs> is, again, a misanthrope. The doctor, this is what I'm getting from both of these. Is like, the doctor is just like, has no, has no f- time for people. He's just has no time. Um, our heroes try to teach the tribe about like collective action and community organizing, yes, but it's really a NATO bash- allegory. Yes. They yes. They instead they bash each other's heads in. Uh the man teacher makes fire. I never got the teacher's names. Uh and and Za takes the fire to secure his place as leader, but he keeps our heroes captive. Then they light some skulls on fire to distract the cave people, escape the tar- escape to the TARDIS and they leave this tribe basically in the same place as they found them. Uh, the tribe, I felt like I was really thinking that there was going to be this growth thing, that it was going to be more like uh, 2001 or or Quantum Leap, where it's like, oh, we actually kind of made them make this little move, and that's kind of why we came. But at least in this episode, I felt like, no, they just, um, they were there. <laughs> they just left. Um, so, oh, John, what, what did I what did I miss? Well, let's begin with the teachers' names are Ian and Barbara. Let's uh, start with that. Okay, sure. I know it's weird. Faceless teacher one, (laughs) man teacher and woman teacher. What I will Uh, can can I just say about Ian and Barbara really quick? And I have no idea how much more there'll be in this or or not. 
Um, but I, again, it reminded me of some other things I've seen of just different, different British TV where they're not the main characters. And yet the early scenes in the show are like this little stage play between these two people with all this weird layered things about them that it just felt like nice, but also like, wow, this is so it's very different than an American television show. It's like this, this feels completely unnecessary. Some of the things that are happening with them. Um, and it feels like this other, it almost felt like someone was given a couple scenes to write of like, uh, we need the teachers, we need to get them from here to there. And they're like, my moment, <laughs> they write this like teacher, <laughs> this teacher dialogue. Um, the anyway. teacher drama I've been waiting for. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I actually timed it. It's, it's 12 minutes out of a 25 minute episode. It's 12 minutes before the main character, the doctor appears. Uh, and in the beginning is all Ian and Barbara. Um, and it's interesting. So they, they were, um, they were, uh, they, so, the, so going back a little bit, Doctor Who was, was a show created by committee, right? So the, the head of drama, they needed a show to fill this gap and the head of drama said between two other shows and Saturday afternoons. And they said, well, we need a show for families and the head of drama. I, I've actually pulled it up. This is, this is the, um, uh, it's from a, a Doctor Who reference tome called Doctor Who the Early Years um, that, of course, I possess. It's given to me by my mother in 1986, according to the inscription. Um, <clears throat> she didn't write it, by the way. But she purchased it. But anyway, uh, so the uh, the original description of the show uh, is um, this is how it was. This is the whole premise. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, so my first thought was of a time-space machine in which contemporary characters, one of whom I wanted to be a 12 to 13-year-old, would be able to travel forward and backward in time and inward and outward in space. All stories would be based on scientific and historical facts as we knew them at that time. Um, so they wanted a space-time machine. It had to be very pedestrian-looking, everyday object to shock audiences into not taking the world around them for granted. It must be vast inside but small outside. Well, how did it get to Earth? Who would run it? To answer both questions, I dreamed up the character of a man who is 764 years old. Very specific. I, I hope that came across in his performance. <laughs> yes, yeah, I did yeah, get that. Yeah. Um, who is senile but with extraordinary flashes of intellectual brilliance, a crotchety old bugger, any kid's grandfather, who had in a state of terror escaped his machine from an advanced civilization on a distant planet, which had been taken over by some unknown enemy. He didn't know who he was anymore and neither did the Earthlings, hence his name, Doctor Who. He didn't know precisely where his home was. He did not fully know how to operate the space time machine. And that's that's the remit for the series. Wait, uh, let me go back. Um, is that true that he doesn't know his name or where he is? Well, uh, they don't know. <laughs> the, the, the producers had no idea, right? So, so yeah, they had. Um, uh, um, in in fact, if you actually go through, there is a scene in a, a third season story called "The War Machines," where this computer uh, wants the Doctor, and it says Doctor Who is required, and it's the only time he's ever been mentioned by that name. Um, but other when other than that, they don't refer to him as Doctor Who, and, and you see. Well, they, it, now they do say it in this episode, but it's not referring to him. Right, it's, just... it's 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 a running gag within the series. The Doctor Who joke it happens every few seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, uh, um, so he was supposed to be the mysterious character. Uh, so why I say all this is because he was supposed to be the sort of mysterious character, and then the other characters are supposed to be sort of your quote audience identification uh, characters, right? The people Which that the audience. Why... 
connects and with. that's why he wanted the 12 or 13 year old because they did right. want it to be a, a kid's show but then she's kind of a weirdo right i mean she's kind of an yeah. odd character and um and and again as you point out the series starts with barbara and ian and you know if you want to really appeal to kids you should start with a high school science teacher and a history teacher as your identification character. who are like there's like some light flirting there um yeah. and i did say a thing when i was looking around that apparently that was actually more part of the plot and they pulled back from it but it's still there like yeah. there's something there there's no hanky banky in the tardis of course but in the, in the original but they they do um when they eventually fans they're very the actors are very good people love the characters and when they leave eventually there's some moments of sort of flirtiness that nothing ever too uh outward but fans have a sort of assumed yes when they leave they get married together so to your point um the 12 minutes in into the first mm -hmm. um and like you said there's four episodes each about 25 minutes so halfway it's not until halfway through the first episode where you even get you know the doctor but i would say even beyond that he doesn't even drive the plot um for most of it he's uh there's even moments in the episode where they're talking about where the the cave people are like you know what are we going to do who's your leader and they're kind of they assume that the, um, that uh, Ian. Ian, right, yeah. that Ian is because um, for any number of reasons, probably having to do with their cave people um, hierarchical <laughs> attitudes about society. But but also it's just like he is the person kind of taking charge and talking to them. The doctor is such a background character in some ways. But I found it interesting. Like, I, again, I was really compelled by it. I was like, that's so fascinating that this is the main character. And he seems to not even want to be involved in the story. Like it, he he's treating everything with such off uh yeah i don't know brushing everything off and like oh god this whereas the humans are having this thing of like oh my god we're traveling through time look at this we were in danger what are we going to do the doctor is nonplussed by right. everything well he would be he's traveled a lot in time i mean and, and right. if you were an audience member in 1963 there were only like two other tv shows on television and like a test pattern so it wasn't a lot and um uh, uh william russell who is the actor who plays Ian was was very well known for playing Sir Lancelot on a on a show um, and sort of was a star. So he would have been the action hero, young star, and probably a lot of people watching the show would have said, "Okay, I guess." And, and William Hartnell, who plays the first Doctor, he was a famous film actor. He was not a TV actor, and in fact, it was a big thing to get him onto television. And um, he was sort of known for playing kind of grouchy sergeants and and military figures and and sort of gruff people and so it was very odd to have him play sort of this this yes he's weird but he's also slightly lovable grandfather that was where they were headed um but the other thing is that you know and as i why i read that sort of excerpt of what the the creator was thinking uh is this is sort of the first three seasons of doctor who there was a producer Verity lambert she's the first woman producer at the bbc and, and only in her early 20s i mean she's very young uh and um the director of this episode is a guy named waris hussein who i think be, i think he won an oscar later for some film direction but he was a gay indian man in, again 1963 wow. bbc yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very interesting um but they neither and, and Anthony Coburn, the guy who wrote this episode, never wrote again for Doctor Who. Like he what? wrote these four episodes and then just went off on his own. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that is Peter the wilderness or something, but yeah. 
So there was no driving vision necessarily behind these early seasons, which I think is part of the strength of Doctor Who. And that if you want when as we'll see over time, they went from everything from like sort of Shakespearean high drama, like some of them are excellent episodes to slapstick comedy to sci-fi like fluff to deep allegorical sci-fi like they went all over the place um, this is the, and, but yeah. that's fast like i this seems like it's the only property like um entertainment property where you you know you refer to it as it was made by committee that's like the death knell of something right. is that you say oh it's made by committee so it gets pulled a million different ways um i would think that w- there would be no through line um so it's interesting that whatever the core of it is, I, I guess you described some of it, but I, I don't know. That's fascinating. It's fascinating that this guy didn't write more of it because I would think what it was shocking to me is, again, knowing whatever tertiary things are like vague things I know about Doctor Who. I was like, it's all right here. And the first step is like, here, here's all the stuff I know. And that which implies to me that like it wasn't. They, well, they found some of the stuff later. It's like, nope, there it is. <laughs> there, I'm, right. I'm sure, I'm, there's many things that changed, but right. I was impressed the, of that so much was there right away. Well, there's, yeah, there's, and, and yes, over time to develop this sort of whole canon. But interestingly enough, there was no, so Adam, it becomes marked by, so there are two sort of indicators of, of, of again, the, the vintage of Doctor Who. Um, mm. There's the Doctor, the actor who plays the Doctor, which again they did not know until William Hartnell basically was very sick with a heart condition, and they were like, "Well, we got to replace him." And they were like, "Well, we either find someone who looks kind of like him and do it, or we come up with this idea of regeneration." We'll talk about some other point. Um, so there's the Doctor who kind of in, in the character that drives it and then there's the producer so even within a single doctor there will be different producers and we'll see this coming up not uh, with chris eccleston the first the ninth doctor but with david Tennant, or yeah well between Tennant and whatever anyway uh, <laughs> producers will change and and the the producer's vision of the show will completely revamp and if you as time they the show repilots every few years um there'll just be an episode where it's like here's a new doctor and here's and again, it, the only core fundamental thing is he uh, is a crazy old or he's a crazy guy who travels around in a box. He can go backwards in time and, and he can travel in space and he's not violent. He does not shoot people with guns or punch people and stuff like that. And that's that's kind of it. <clears throat> so I want to move on to the, uh, the larger themes. But uh, first, is that oh well, two two kind of related things. I did find myself more compelled by the so in both cases you have this sort of you the audience are you know kind of the normal people and you're being shown these different things you always Um, see the doctor through the companion's eyes yeah right and so in in, with rose what we're seeing is essentially we're put in the middle of this horror movie which also i'm you're saying it's a common um the 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 nestine or or that this idea of mannequins coming to life also just seemed familiar to me i've seen it like there's some kind of a horror movie thing about that so it, it's a crazy thing that's happening in her current world, whereas this is they are being taken and transported suddenly, like shifted out of time and space to somewhere else. And I was just I don't know if this will continue, but I was much more compelled by that. I was much more compelled by like the jarring thing of like now you're in prehistoric time. So even though, like I said, the plot um, was I mean, there wasn't really a plot. It was pretty straightforward, but I was the situation was very interesting to me. It was like, wow, what would they do? I actually kind of liked the actors more 
um, in the in the modern one. Um, but and the dialogue certainly, but like I just I liked that. And so it did remind me of Quantum Leap, which I mentioned. Is that completely off base? It really reminded me of that. Um, have you ever seen that show? I guess I of course, know. yes, of course. Yes, it's a wonderful show. Um uh, as a there's a young gay man, a young Scott Bakula. Mm, yeah. anyway, oh, um, yes. um, <laughs> there's an entire episode where he plays a monkey in his underwear. It's quite nice. Uh but um <laughs> moving on. Um no, it's what's interesting, I there's so the the um uh, the 1963 episode, uh if you it, it is a weird like and I think even executives at the BBC were kind of like, so it's just gonna be a bunch of people wearing animal skins going ugh, ugh, like right, I mean it's a right. very weird thing to start with. But I think if you compare it I think what both the original people did and and Russell Davies did in Rose was they were like it it cannot be a complicated episode. It's got to be simple because you're trying to introduce the character oh, and the okay. concepts and the companions and and so you can't uh, and like in in the nineteen beginning nineteen sixty three one of the remits was we're going to teach people history and and in that first season they meet Marco Polo they they go to at the Aztecs mm. and there's a really uh, we'll watch it soon I think is a very interesting episode where they meet the Aztecs they go to the Reign of Terror and friends but if you had these complicated episodes with all these other characters who then you know have to play their historical counterparts or whatever um, you know you would it's too much right and it's like you gotta start with this very basic and and that if anything the reaction to rose from the fans that was oh the doctor who's about the stories it's not the special effects it is the stories that are interesting and are compelling and the story was really simple it did just there wasn't a lot to it right and this mm-hmm. idea the no, anti-plastic yeah. was kind of stupid idea and all this kind of stuff but it was like yeah but that was you you weren't going to have your first episode be here's this really complex science fiction story. Oh, and by the way, here are these characters that we're reintroducing the entire country to because, you know, a lot of people haven't seen this or whatever. Um, so I, I, I mean, and yeah, you, you get, you get a hundred and what, hundred, it's 25 minutes. episode, 110 minutes uh, for the first story of the original series, but it's a, pretty simple story oh yeah, about no, what, yeah. What, who's got fire and who doesn't and <laughs> the class i mean like shakespeare gets down to that eventually is yeah. who has fire who doesn't well it must have been tough for you who are notoriously anti-fire i mean you've like always been no. very yeah um i read i read a, an analysis once of it that said is anthony coburn trying to say something about nuclear power and i'm like no, no. i don't i don't think so, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but i i will say this uh and rewatching it because what does I, I of course have rewatched especially the early episodes many many times because I don't get out a lot um but um uh it's I think what works about these first episodes and and what you'll find I think works about Doctor Who in general is the actors are totally committed I mean you could I mean you're tr- you're playing a caveman and debating fire and leadership and they, they, they were great. Are totally into it I, right yeah I thought they were all great no I I actually agree with that very much I I was impressed by these kind of day players coming in they're probably never in Doctor Who again and actually, or, they, uh, they don't even know what it is right it's just they're <laughs> yes, just coming no. in and doing some show job, right yes exactly but they're you know and who or a pilot really which may not go anywhere and I thought, yeah, I thought the cavemen were great. <laughs> Surprised. I liked old woman. I would like ultimately old like mother. to just be called old, old father. 
<laughs> I lean away. She comes back in the in the nineteen seventies. She's not actually not as old as she looks. She she shows up again in like a nineteen seventy seven episode called The Creature from the Pit. But yes. Um and Derek Newark, who plays Za, he comes back in a later episode. No, they all come back. I mean it, to me the plot was a little disappointing because I'm a big Cal guy. Loved Cal, right. liked yeah, his attitude, liked his swagger. Didn't mm-hmm. work out for Cal. Um does Cal come back? I mean, there's a whole series about <laughs> cows or spin off. No, That's sadly, well, <laughs> yeah, no, Cal does not come back in the official series. He shows up in a comic one. No, I think Ooh. he's dead. I think he's actually quite dead. Yeah, yeah he's very well, dead. he is beaten yeah. about the head with a rock. It's fun, fun fact. Um, this is one of the early edits. Apparently, when that and again, this gets into we'll talk about maybe this with death and Doctor Who, but the fight scene at the end, you know, he's got the rock and he kills him with the rock. Apparently, the original sound effect was they dropped a rock on a cabbage and we're going to <laughs> play that in. And the producer's like, I think we need to cut that out. Like, that's a little too much. <laughs> Okay, so a couple of things we were going to talk about in uh, the theme section in which we talk about themes. Really, just uh, themes is whatever. Themes and, and motifs are word, words that I don't know the meaning of. I like but, how you're hey. on the theme section before we even begin. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm we're not. Look, we're gonna cut all this. Let me tell you something. We're gonna cut all this. Um, the but basically any big ideas, and so this is hard for the first one. There's a million big ideas that are that are introduced, but um, to me, the ones that jumped out are the the doctor <laughs> himself, and um, I was surprised how much I was like, wow, the TARDIS is really a big character. Like it's a big focus here. Um, and then you wanted to talk some about the format, but let's start with the doctor. Uh, so we're introduced with the doctor. We, we learned some about it, but what do you think it's important to kind of build right away? Um, what else? Tell me about the doctor. Well, he's, he's a a scientist. He's supposed to be knowledgeable engineer scientist. He's not a a doctor of medicine. Yeah. I mean, they're very, he even said, you know, the uh, first doctor even says, I'm not a doctor of medicine. Uh, well, maybe not exactly the line, but you know, they, they ask him to help Zod after he's gored by the tiger or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. And, um, um, uh, but yeah, so he's supposed to be a, a sort of, um, and, um, uh, and that carries through if you, if you, the, the often has pointed out as sort of why the series is different. And you see this in Christopher Eccleston's doctor is he carries a screwdriver, right? Like most action heroes or the hero carries a gun or a knife or whatever. Oh, but, right. He carries a screwdriver, the sonic screwdriver, which doesn't come in until much later in the original series. But um, so that, so I think there's that he's he's um, he's an alien. Uh, and, and what's interesting is there are some parallels. So the doctor of, um, you know, the first the beginning is is very, as you say, prickly, is detached. Um, did you catch the, the part in I think it's episode three where he picks up the rock? And appears to be going to kill Za, right? It's like they, they're all running back to the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. No, is that I was actually that's funny. I was I didn't know the implication there. I, I didn't know who he was going to he was going to do something. And then he when he was sort of discovered, he backed out of it. Gonna he was going to kill Za. That's yeah, what it was. Well, the, the implication is like I so, said. You know, look, it's it's very. <laughs> they're running back to the TARDIS. Like we've created a escape, and then the guy gets gored by a thing, and they're like, "Oh, we all have to help him suddenly." Um, and you know, the doctor's like, "No, we need to get back." And obviously, this is holding them up, and the tribe's going to come and catch them. And and so, yeah, the implication is he's picking up a rock, and he's going to bash Zaw's head in and be like oh no he's dead we should just like, go right, now we can just move on yeah, from this problem keep going yeah um uh and um uh and 
so they, they sort of uh, there's some argument like oh well this was just a you know there's again finding the character and and this isn't you know this isn't him but then there's other arguments it's like no no this is this is showing that by his exposure to Barbara and Ian and sort of humanity he becomes more you know concerned about and and over the initial season the first season you know a lot of their adventures are just let's get out of here we're here we should get the hell out of here uh but over time it's like we've got to help we've got to make people better or or solve whatever problem is here and and sort of stay and and so they're saying oh he influenced them and as you're going to see in the in the 2005 series the ninth doctor, the trauma from the war and trying to get him from the warrior doctor and, and Rose's influence. And so it's both. It's parallels, right? It's the companion's influence um, that kind of softens him. But yes, the, I mean, the core to the character is he's generally not violent. He's that's not his first thing. He's a scientist. He tries to discover things. He's an explorer. Uh, and we know he's an alien, but we don't really know anything else about him. Um, but it did and, come across to me like I'm saying he's ornery. But and in both cases, in both doctors were ornery. But what came across to me was they were ornery and and rushed and didn't have time because the humans around them were focusing on because he has this vast wider knowledge and whatever he's seeing as going on and whatever his overall mission or whatever he feels like is these trivial things that are being brought up to him like Jesus, like, I, I don't want to stop and look at this. Yes, your boyfriend's fine. Sorry, I didn't mention it. It's, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if your boyfriend dies or not. And that and that came across in both, you know, like, um, and I thought that was, it's not like a, quite an anti-hero, right? But it, it was just an interesting thing for the hero to be completely like, I'm not really concerned with the, most of this. Um, and to have... You know, and then um, the when the when he's speaking to the consciousness of the Nestine in the, the two thousand five one, he goes on a brief little speech where uh, this doctor has, to your point, already been sold on humanity and saying, like, look, I know they're these little bugs essentially, but they're ca- there. There's something here, like they're capable right. of more. That's not at all there in the first one. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but so that was interesting. That's and then honestly, I was I didn't definitely didn't need that. I'm wondering if that gets pushed to like more of a schmaltzy level of like, oh, you know, often in big sci-fi things, humans are shown as like we're this imperfect thing, we're not good, but that's actually what makes us wonderful, and it's that's a bit well trod. So I hope that it doesn't get too. I don't know. I don't need I don't need to be inspired by Doctor <laughs> Who to say like yeah humans are okay I, mean, I don't know it's fine. Like, there there's that I mean so yes it goes back and forth and, and I think it goes in and out of that and I think it depends on the writer and the producer and whatever uh, I mean I think it's it's certainly um, the Doctor what I what I like about it is sort of acknowledging on one level acknowledging look if you're this guy who can travel in time and space and go anywhere you want to why do you keep coming back to the whatever is within a 45 minute drive of london location wise? <laughs> <laughs> like why would you do that and so they, they they sort of write in like oh he there's something that appeals to him about humans and and it's, it interests him as, as a scholar and a scientist and, and blah, blah and he and he likes them um at the same time you know I mean, you'll 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 Christopher Eccleston in the in later in the season will refer to them as stupid apes, uh, and you know there is sort of a well, yes, you're annoying. I, I happen to I like you, but you're obnoxious as well. Um, right. And you know, and, and that's it, good. It's sort of. It, it, 
it's, it's one of the central questions for a lot of writers and producers is look, you know, people, <laughs> I can't remember the exact uh, quote, but someone's like, look, people aren't that interested in, in debates on what's happening on planet Zog. Like they, they want to know <laughs> like, you know, earth, right. And we need to be put in this, um, in this situation. And, and you'll, as you'll see, they, they come back to earth more often. And of course, obviously like going back into the history of planet Zog is going to be less interesting than going to the French revolution where we know what happens and what's right. going right. So there is sort of, you have to, you have to build it around earth because we know. Um, but yes, they, they, humanity is special in, in some way, but also not totally. It, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of splits the difference of what you're, oh. what you're worried about. Yeah. Oh, and again, forgive me for this like simplistic kind of, what it struck me no. after watching two of these <laughs> is I mentioned it really reminded me of what if quantum leap was mixed with the hitchhiker's guide? Like that's what it feels like. It's like this there's and both actually both have kind of a humor to them, but there's something about the aliens and the feel of it that does feel more like Douglas Adams. Like it's like kind of that's silly. Like the, it, there's real things to it and it all kind of checks out, but it's not, it's certainly not like Star Trek. Well, it's funny Star you say Wars. this because in 1978, Douglas Adams was the script editor of Doctor Who. Oh, <laughs> uh, and wrote okay. several well, before before Hitchhikers came out. Uh, so yes, it, it's it's a. Um, uh, it, it, the humor of the series is essential, right? It, it is sort of the, yeah, like, I like Star Trek is very po face. So I mean, you would Star Trek is definitely the of the time 63 was doctor who star trek was 66 the first star trek didn't really catch on in popularity until the 70s syndication but certainly thinking about star trek and star wars and things like that was was obviously what doctor who was looking at um because such was one of the first sci-fi shows really on tv if you think about it um and um uh, there is sort of this tongue-in-cheek humor to it, and it's always been. And you'll you'll it'll develop, particularly when Stephen Moffat takes over, and after the in the season five of the new series, um, it becomes very. It's very funny at the same time as being serious, and that's always been. And they get away with it, and and even in Russell Davies, there's there's one episode involving the Titanic spaceship, which is just so ludicrous, but also you're like, yes, hmm. of course. Kylie Minogue has been rescued from a spaceship and I'm not kidding. Uh, and, um, oh and it almost crashes into Buckingham house and it's just so doctor who, and they can get away with it. Um, so yeah, there, there is sort of this, uh, um, it's, it is a series of, of contrasts or, or a series of this, this is just all, none of this makes sense. <laughs> um, and, and they, they, they mind the humor of it. Uh, and yeah. <clears throat> Well, um new theme this is yeah. the, this is what happens when we go to a new theme new theme this again the entire theme section will be cut um but let's talk I about leave the TARDIS. That line in though <laughs> yes i'll leave that in uh let's talk about the tardis so as i mentioned my my intro before i asked you to tell me about the tardis was um uh, time and relative distance in space is that... time and relative dimension dimension in space or, or dimensions a lot of debate in the fan circles about okay. that in space um, so although i also liked uh, in the newer series peter capaldi at one point goes totally and radically driving in space which is also <laughs> <laughs> um what was funny to me is about just the acronym and that i definitely want to hear more about it as just like a kind of a character in the show um 
is that acronyms are usually like so uh you know famously when legislation is written they'll go through all sorts of bending over backwards to try to make an acronym that is matches up with the thrust of the 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 bill so they'll they'll do that usa patriot act is an acronym it's all page USA Patriot Act. Is USA all one Patriot Act. It, it yeah, and yeah, that is a thing, right? So I know that that that's that's so and then all, obviously all our listeners who are big Homeland Security people are crossing <laughs> over. <laughs> it, and then of course, uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools to restrict, intercept, and obstruct terrorism act of two thousand one. Sure, perfect example. So then the other sort of flavor of acronym would be. Well, whatever. It's just these three words, and we're just going to make the acronym from it. Like, you know, uh, the National Security Agency uh, is the NSA. So TARDIS was funny to me because it feels like they were trying to make it fit into TARDIS, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, so they're like, oh, what if it's time and relative dimension in space? That works. And it's, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it felt, it feels like, why didn't you just name it then? So they must have space thought of a word or first. Something. Yeah, sure. And then try to make space car work out as an acronym. Um, so I just thought that was funny. I, they must have thought of the word and just liked it. And it is a good word. It does sound like a cool, weird alien word. And I like it. But I just it, they it made it seem like that they were trying to backfit into that, um, which I thought was funny. But it is a big it, character on the show. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. And I, I honestly, it's interesting you made. It. I don't I know the. I know. So (laughs) embarrassingly, as I was watching the first episode and they go through the credits and they listed all the names of all the production people, I knew every single one of them. Oh, God. So, I mean, it's how well studied all of this is. But actually, I don't know uh, where TARDIS comes from. I mean, again, it's it's that committee uh thing there are some interesting so um uh in one of the interesting things is we'll we'll discover over time is that the continuity of the show is very there is no it's not like anyone's writing all this down and being like here are the rules and so you know in later seasons the people the producers and editors some of them didn't even like the show and many of them had never watched any of it. And they were just like, I don't know what happened before. Who cares? And they just rewrote stuff. So it's interesting is that Susan says in the first episode, TARDIS is a name I made up. Uh, and, oh, uh, and, but then, yeah, but then later all of the, when we eventually meet the doctors, people, we find out all of the ships are TARDISes. And that, so clearly it's not a name. Mm, for me it's a class of it, ship. It, or whatever. a liar. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it is a very weird, uh, it is a very weird name. The, the use of the police box, uh, which at the time would have been a very common item is very Doctor Who, right? So, so at the time they would have seen those on every street corner. It's where police went. They, they had phones in there. They could call people. They could block people in there. They had like traffic cones and other things in there they could store, uh, and he mentions that when they're in uh, the pre prehistory, he says, oh, no, it didn't change. It should have changed to something else to blend in. Yeah. So later we find out that's the chameleon circuit and it broke in that first episode. And yes, it, other Time Lords have TARDISes and they change to blend in with their appearances and you can't see them. But the TARDIS always and, and 
Christian Reckleson acknowledges this in the first episode of Rose. He says, it's a disguise. And she's like, I she's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, it was, um, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, again, going to that theme and you see, and you actually even see this in the, in the autons, the, the shop window dummies is that it was part of doctor who was like, let's make things that are every day, interesting and exciting, you know, or scary or whatever. And so they're like, let's, you know, imagine what kids are going to be like. They're going to walk down the street and see these police boxes and be like, oh, this could be a time space machine. Right. I would Um, also imagine that's a, that's a a budget play too. being like, great. Then we can just shoot this thing. And it doesn't, it's from outer space. We're saying it's from outer space, but it's actually (laughs) just this thing we went outside and filmed. Well, yeah, but which is, which is also though, and this is, I think, well, part of the magic of Doctor Who. It's also a thing any kid could do, right? Like this tree is now a spaceship, right. and this thing. And there's a wonderful line, and um, uh, it's a it's a third Doctor episode called Inferno, where he takes some person comes in and sees the TARDIS, uh, who had heard about it before, and says, "Oh, I I was expecting something different." And the TARDIS says, "What did you expect? Some sort of space rocket with Batman at the controls?" <laughs> it's a very incongruous uh, thing and then um what's was it it does it's funny you mention it it does become a character and it's it's not it never it doesn't with the exception of one very good episode written by neil gaiman uh it never speaks or or but it it is it's a constant right of of, it, of all the actors change the producers the writers everything but the tardis stays the same there's always the tardis well, and that's why I was impressed line. that it was it was there from the beginning, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, I, I I liked. um, And also, it looked pretty similar, like in the reboot to the original. I don't know if that changes a lot, but I, I so was, the, the console room changes. That's a, this is the room is the console room. Uh, the funniest part about that is that um, I like Anthony Coburn who wrote it, uh, the first designer. So the BBC had departments and the departments were assigned to different shows at different times. And the first guy, the first designer was a guy named Peter Petrocki. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but, um, uh, and, um, so Dr. Who was produced by the drama department, but the drama people thought it was beneath them. They're like, Oh, this is a children's show. Mm, it's stupid. And right. we do, we do highbrow plays. And so apparently the producer had to keep harassing him, to would you please design my spaceship and apparently he just kind of this is basically the equivalent of like mm, here <laughs> here's some here's some crap <laughs> it's there's your spaceship and she's like this is great so yes it became the dominant i mean that that motif of the central column sort of space with the thing that goes up and down that lasts through again the entire series and it was just some guy who was like, I think over his lunch break was like, here, go away. <laughs> it's, your, it's your show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, they just, they just made it work. And it's, and, and what's funny is uh, uh, if you, when the, when they interview the doctors, the actors who play the doctor, there's this sort of very interesting dynamic, which is you're not, people visit the set and stuff like that. You're not supposed to touch the TARDIS without the doctor's permission. And then, each doctor, the actor, figures out how to use the console, right? So they'll be like, "I, uh, William Hartnell started this, the first doctor, and said, you know, well, I touch that switch is when it takes off, and that switch closes the doors, and, and this is how we take it off. And it just kind of became a thing that each actor decided how to use it. 
and that oh. became how to use it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like I do this and Jody Whitaker now, she flips this thing and does this thing, and that's how it runs. There's a very interesting sort of it's like there are these really interesting traditions that have gone on for fifty plus years. So the production people watch them and they say, Okay, we'll change yeah, based on what you works. do now. Well, it's just kind of I mean, and then yes, there are some amusing bits in that it, sometimes the actors are a little not particularly careful about it. Just like, okay. <laughs> like, um, you know, well, I'll flick the switch to do whatever. Cause that's happened to be facing, um, <laughs> this one, um, one companion, Mark Strickson who played Turlow in, in the eighties, uh, uh, said that if, uh, if he was annoyed with an actor, uh, he would stand in the background and flick switches because then they had to dub sound effects on. <laughs> so whenever the actor was talking, he would just start flicking switches and then they have to be like, beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's wonderful. But yes, yeah, so that's, that's the, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's the core tenet of the show. And yeah, I did, they really did just like, Blorp, there's the name TARDIS. <laughs> well, see, I, well, I want to know that I'm very happy that I asked you a question that you didn't know the answer to. So mm, I feel yeah, like I get one little pointy. You've already won. I got a little point, though. It's over. We're going to tally those. And uh, right now, you're, I got you're one. You're going to be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, no. Wait, it's not clear why. It's not clear how you get points. We just know how I get points. Right now, it's one to nothing. You got nothing. Um, the other thing we were going to talk about is uh, the format, which you just wanted to mention. And for among other things, you know, the way we're tackling this is to and we're we are tackling this. We're taking this head on. It's a problem that's got to be dealt with. We will um, strangle the life out of this <laughs> is that, you know, the the new shows are done like traditional television series where there's episodes. But it seems like or I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that. But the in the past the like we watched this first one it was actually four different episodes and they were distinct episodes you could tell that they were cliffhangers mm-hmm. and they also did the thing in an unearthly child where they um ended an episode and they would kind of repeat the beginning of the episode at the at uh, sorry they would repeat the end of the last episode at the Recap, beginning yeah. of the next one but yeah tell me about the format yeah so um uh, and that's why i sort of at the beginning i alluded to what is the title of the first story uh and um so basically the original conception was it was a serial like a, a an adventure serial um and just each episode would lead into the next episode uh and um there'd be cliffhanger at the end and then they resolve the cliffhanger and move on to the next thing and when you know the radio times which is the tv guide of of the uk would you know would they would they would just report on the next episode but no one so you didn't know when a story was so there's an episode which is the discrete broadcast at the time in, in the original series 25 minutes most most of them uh and you didn't know each episode would sort of comprise a story but you didn't know how long the story was going to be right so you could be watching you make well and some episodes most stories are four some were six some were two some were three some were 12 like you just didn't know it was just going to keep going and they didn't announce like don't worry everybody this will be over in four episodes <laughs> like, it was just kind of a thing uh and and again they would lead into each other and, and that kind of the cliffhanger always stayed uh for the most part but um uh the the um th- yeah throughout the serial but it didn't all the stories didn't necessarily run into each other like they they did in these original uh, years um but then um because and it was about two and a half seasons before they they got rid of this. They titled each episode individually. So you have an unearthly child. You have uh, uh, what is it? The, the cave of skulls, the forest of fear, 
uh, and uh, um, uh, the fire maker, right? Um, uh, so but there wasn't any indication in the title that it was part of the overall right. four episode arc. And so the, in particular, in the, um, and, and there's like people who study these things in the art, I mean, sad people like me. <laughs> so for a long time, the first four episodes that we've watched are often referred to as an unearthly child, which is sort of the, that first episode plus the, the rest of the story. Um, others referred to it as an unearthly child as that first episode. That was just the pilot. And then there was the tribe of gum, which they never actually say that name. Yeah. G-U-M. They never say that thing. <laughs> um, it is now somewhat accepted that the first story is called 100,000 B.C., which is supposedly when it was set again. And and how they find it is they look for like the camera scripts and like what what did we call it when we were shooting it? Because generally each story would have its own director, its own writer, you know, whatever. Um, and so you could kind of look for that. So there are some stories. Yeah, there's a um, there are stories we don't entirely know what the title is. And then they would novelize the stories. Uh, uh, this, several authors would get together and they'd write out, you know, and this was later in the seventies and they would rename the story because there's like, well, that's not pretty <laughs> exciting. And so they would change the name. So, so there are multiple titles for all of these stories. Um, so then when they started the new series, the, the thing that people lamented a little bit was those cliffhangers are, are, and as you'll see, as the series goes on, like sometimes they cheat, they, they re-edit the cliffhangers to make it a little less exciting or explain, you know, oh, this is what really happened. Um, but the cliffhangers are kind of the thing people remember because it's an yeah, they were fun. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, oh, I, and, and, and it goes back to a time when, you know, when you watch television, not binge watching and you'd have to wait a week and you right. would. All right, so this is what happens. Now I got to think, how do they get out of it? And, and I, I liken it to, did you watch The Sopranos? You were a Sopranos. No, I wasn't. I've never been able to successfully get into it. I was just talking. I'm, I'm, I'm somehow can't. I don't. I don't know. Couldn't get into it. But was it very cliffhangery? Well, it was. It was one of the last big shows. I feel like, and I only watched like a couple seasons of it. But it was like one of the last big shows that came on a week by week on HBO. It was like Sunday nights. Right. And it was it was a, a quote water cooler show, and that you did go like the, on Monday. It was you know a mob show, and you would go in, and it was not a show about opera singers. It was a mob show. It just, oh, it I'm learning so much <laughs> already. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Uh, but you would go in, you'd be like, oh, I don't know who's going to get killed next week or whacked as they in the parlance of the mob. Um, that's, oh, I'm, you just I, you really sounded yeah, very mob. I, I used there. to be an undercover informant, oh, and I would be like, okay. "In your parlance," and uh, and then I would be beaten. Um, but uh, they they you know yeah you were like, "What's going to happen next?" Right? And the same kind of thing with Doctor Who was like, and and this Doctor Who took off with kids, of course, and so yeah, they'd all go to school and be like, "What's going to happen on the next episode?" Like, how are they going to get out of that? How are they? And it was they likened it to you know old movie perils of pauline and and these and flash gordon and like these serials that did exactly that in the movies and that's what they that was what supposedly was the big influence for like lucas and spielberg when they started off on that in more of the 70s of um you know well star wars but as we talked about but also indiana jones and stuff like that when they wanted you to come back right like watch next week and see what's going to happen and they would and uh, you know as you saw it i think at the end of i'm not sure how big boxes edited but at the end of this episode right they'd land on the planet this story, right? They land on the planet and the radiation thing creeps into the danger zone yes. or whatever. And that's the lead into the next story. And that's how they kind of ran it. And, and Doctor Who was originally called An Adventure 
in time and space, not adventures and adventures, but an adventure. An and adventure. About getting Ian and Barbara. I mean, a lot of it's focused on Ian and Barbara and being like, we want to go home. We're not really supposed to be here. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, well, I have car payments do. <laughs> I am very busy. This would be better in, in September. Uh, so they, but yeah. And so, um, um, and then it was interesting, but, but at the same time, the stories did not necessarily flow into each other, right? Like you would, there's very little reference to continuity from the past. It would just be like, okay, now we're in a new story and we know where Ian and Barbara are from. We know the history, but like, it's not like they're like, remember three weeks ago when you said you liked like shepherds? <laughs> you were just <laughs> like, oh yes, now we're here meeting shepherds. Like it wasn't that. And So know, they decided, is it, because I mean, I only watched this first one basically are they not doing that in the new one so the new one is now like um in the 2005 series it's like um uh, again more traditional more modern television where sort of there's a season arc right and there there's sort of a storyline that each episode is distinct each story is distinct there are a couple two-parters we'll get to each story is kind of distinct but there's also sort of a character and and or story arc that develops over the season often around the companion but actually in the first season more around the doctor but um so so and then they kind of all fit together and it builds to a season finale that has a big the season finales are definitely more epic than they used to be um it just used to just end i mean okay now we'll come back so, in a few weeks so the difference being both the difference being both that they don't have as many multi-part episodes but also the old it sounds like you're saying the old uh seasons for lack of a better term didn't have season arcs in the same way no, I mean, so I think um, I'm trying to remember what the the first season was like 40 something episodes long. Uh, they just wow. and they, they film them each week like they what was broadcast on Saturday was often filmed on Friday night. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they only had one edit in the original stories. Um, and, and as you'll see in some of the old episodes, if if the actors wanted to go on vacation, they would just be written out of the episode. So like William Hartnell, it was just, there are a couple really badly done one where he'll just like the begin the episode will start and he'll just go, Oh, and just pass out. And then they won't see him for 25 minutes and then they'll bring him back. Well, that's like, funny that's because I think of, you know, my interaction with British television is that, that that's more of an American thing to do where you just pump out the episodes and that British, uh series generally like oh it's like five episodes you know which actually now we're coming back around on in america with netflix series and hbo series where, where they will do shorter seasons but that's interesting that they did that kind of workman like pump out the episode thing was that common in british television or that was just doctor who well i, think, I mean uh, yeah there was only so much content they had to broadcast a lot was going on um they didn't have reruns right because most of the stuff was was not you know was, you showed it you once. mentioned this before i'm a test pattern guy i say just put that <laughs> test pattern on it to me i i like a good test pattern well i mean so they they yeah very few repeats um and um most i mean certainly it was only a few years before doctor who and maybe even sometimes during doctor who that that they were doing live tv right it's just there was no recording it. And, and even Doctor Who, Doctor Who was never live, although you'll see as we go on people fluffing lines, clearly people forgetting lines and them trying to recover wow. because they basically had. So in the early days, they had one edit. So if you look right. at the unearthly child or an unearthly child, 
that is it's not live but it's performed as live up until they get into the TARDIS that's the only cut in the entire episode right where Barbara goes in and, and now suddenly they're in TARDIS and other than that like and that's why you get that sort of awkwardly they have the flashbacks to Susan and you only see Susan and it's Ian's voice off screen because the actors are moving to the other part of the studio to oh, get wow. into position it's it's filmed as live it's really uh, it's just you could it, it adds sort of an urgency it's interesting to the performances of it but yeah it's very cool um, but then the, yes the new ones are are again you have obviously they're not filmed as live they have more they have up, <laughs> up to four cuts i, I noticed that, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes there is an, it, it, it's a different dynamic in that you have sort of a continuing and and basically they architect a whole season right they'll be like okay this season this is the themes these are the stories and the showrunners Russell T. Davis, Stephen Moffat, and now Chris Chibnall, they'll they'll sort of say they'll map it out. Okay, in this episode, X has to happen. In this episode, and whatever. And there's still some variety and creativity, but there is a master plan going on. John, there are over 295 Doctor Who stories. We've ranked so far none of them. Let's get started. Mm -hmm. So I'm first of all, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go file new document. We have two things. Basically, we just need to decide here. Very easy. <laughs> we're going to put an unearthly Is this a coach's poll? Like, where are we? Like, is this, this, is, a... this is our ranking. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, it'll, it'll, it'll probably largely be your ranking because you'll have a better sense of the topography of the whole thing. Yeah, well, but as I watch more of them, I'm going to make my case for, I think. Um, so, but, but this week is very easy. We just have to rank an un unearthly child. And well, actually, to your point with all the naming, is it so? Should we call this an unearthly child or a thousand BC? Or what? <laughs> what do you think? Where do you come down? You said there's an argument about it. Well, what's your argument? Where are you? Don't dodge the issue. Answer the question. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, the Reddit people will have my ass, and I, I don't use Reddit, but I imagine they talk about me on it. Uh, but um, uh, as I understand, that's yeah, that's, a, uh, that's a main. <laughs> I assume me and QAnon. Which is a thing now. Anyway, uh, so um, this is going to be very difficult for me because, I, re like I said, it's very much the mood of what you want to watch. In terms of rewatchability, I think it's Rose. Right? It, it's it's faster. It's 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 you know the 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 it's got better special effects. It's got a more gripping story in terms of it's just an easier episode to digest. Um, uh, I, I and and it's it is. It's apples to oranges in many ways, right? I mean, the way they made television, the acting is very. I mean, I think I think the acting of the nineteen sixty three episode is very good for nineteen sixty three. I yeah. just think they didn't know. But yes, I, I would say I would put Rose above uh, uh, an unearthly child um, on just sort of as a whole. Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, it's stupid to rank these, and that's why we're going to do it, and we're and it's gonna and we're gonna make this happen. I would actually, I would actually, I would actually flip them, but uh, I'll just make my case. You can decide if you agree with me or not. Not having seen these, coming to these fresh, like I said, um, if I were to watch either one of these as a pilot, I'm weirdly more interested to watch the next episode of An Unearthly Child because I was just the format was more interesting to me. But I did think I did want to spend more time, like I said, with uh, Christopher Eccleston and, um, and, and Billy Piper. And I will. Um, well, so I could go either way, but I did kind of I was actually surprised that 
I don't know. I, I expected to be almost like more clear that I would like one or the other. I actually did really like both. Um, and, and I did really, so that bodes well for me because I'm going to watch a lot of this. <laughs> but if I, the I, early I liked... episodes were terrible, then we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know that would be too bad, but I, I liked, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I like the premise and it did scratch this quantum leap itch for me. I'm sure people are tired of me mentioning quantum leap. This is not yes. a quantum leap podcast yet, <laughs> yet, but it will be. And really, it's nothing like quantum leap on every level. So <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll make my time travel. So over over the next 25 years, I'll make my case. But uh, let's <laughs> let it play out. All right. Well, we'll put we'll put Rose ahead of Unearth- Unearthly Child, and we'll let Reddit our rankings fall apart, and that we have disagreed already. So yeah, that's fine. All right, that's well, fine. I'm going to talk but about I... this in my podcast, my my break off podcast, where <laughs> where my where no not the mind probe is wrong. Your no not the mind probe reaction podcast. Yes. <laughs> John, where can people reach us if they want to give us feedback? And I assume that they do. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, they can go to mindprobe.show. Ooh. And ideally, they're going to see notes from, from the episodes. They're Ooh. going to see our ranking, which will be two things at the moment. How to send us a note, which we would love to hear from anyone who wants to send us anything. And uh, then I want to ask you, what do we have in store for next episode? What are we going to watch next? Well, first of all, I think there should be a flying toaster graphic on the web page. Can, can yes. I just request that? Sure. <laughs> And maybe sure. a, and a MIDI. Could we do a MIDI version of the Doctor Who theme? I'm sure you yeah. can. You can see if you can work that. Yes. Uh, so next episode. Uh, so for those who haven't gleaned the format, we're going to go through the new 2005 series in order because again, there's sort of these linking themes that connect the stories. And then what I'm going to do is pair that with a an, a classic episode that's reflective of that. So for the next episode, we're going to do uh, the end of the world, which is the next uh, Christopher Eccleston episode. Mm. And um, to pair that, uh, I think the arc in space, which is the from the fourth. <laughs> doctor um and uh, also his second episode uh so it's second episodes and it's also uh, well you'll see the linking themes but so yes i think the ark in space from 1974 and uh the end of the world from 2005 i love it i love it john this podcast is a legend woven throughout history when disaster comes it's there it brings a storm in its wake and it only has one constant companion and who's that death Sounds like fun. Let's bring it on. It's a, mm. it's a grim good time. Podcast. It's a good time. Yeah. Do any of those people come back? Like the the boyfriend or the? Oh yes, uh, Mickey and um, and Jackie come back. They're they're quite developed. And this is another. We'll talk about this. this is another differentiation from from classic Who that they have families who miss them. <laughs> like nobody. <laughs> Nobody notices Barbara and Ian have gone or cares. <laughs>